and welcome to the Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your deep dive into the numbers of netball and more importantly, the statistics of super netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. This podcast is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. My name's Erin Delahunty. I'm a freelance journalist and self-confessed netball tragic. I report on the game for Guardian Australia and Fox Sports and I'm also writing a book about world netball. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we're meeting today. I'm coming to you from Echuca, the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. Now, I do a fair bit of netball analysis in my day job based on the feel of the game of netball, but that's not what this show is about. This is a numbers-based podcast where we'll take a look at every game the Melbourne Vixens played this super netball season, going over the key metrics and what ultimately won or lost the Vixens the game. And who better to crunch the numbers each week than Dr. Aaron Fox from Deakin. Aaron is a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods and pretty much an all-round genius when it comes to sports data and visualisations. He is the brains of this operation. Aaron is going to bring the real, the cold, hard facts about each game as opposed to the feel I just talked about. And we're going to break it down for you every Tuesday. And we want your input too, Vixens fans. So stay tuned as to how you can be part of the pod. But now, welcome Aaron, who is coming to us from Wadawurrung land. Thanks for the introduction, Aaron. Looking forward to discussing a great start to the season for the Vixens and probably round of the match in round one. Definitely. Well, let's get down to it. As you just said, we're looking at the opening round of this, the 2022 Super Netball season. The Melbourne Vixens travelled to Brisbane to take on the Queensland Firebirds on Sunday and came away with a five-goal win, 70-65. to 65. Off the top, what did you think of the game, Aaron? Yeah, it was a very, very fast-paced game, very uh, interesting game to watch. Um, and I know, Aaron, our first podcast, this is going to be hard for you because you <laughs> wanted to make this all about the defenders and defence, but this week was Jeez, a big gone, one for the Vixens. Gone early on the defenders dig, Aaron. Gone very early. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it was round one and this was a big one for the Vixens attacking end. So they scoring 70 goals overall and a big third quarter of 25. Um and both of these totals, comparative to previous years, uh, the Vixens haven't reached this in either 2021 or even in their premiership year in 2020. Oh, wow. um, so very high scoring and perhaps a, a uh, bit of a look into what the season's going to look like for the Vixens. Yeah, wow. So you're already teaching me things. It, it, it was sort of creeping up and creeping up and you do wonder how it compares. Really interesting when you, you think about there's new shooters in the mix there as well. These aren't, you know, established partnerships just yet. So it was a pretty electrifying match, I thought. I mean, there was some last quarter heroics from the Firebirds, you know, that sort of failed to claw back a 13-goal three-quarter time um, deficit. But that Vixens lead, as you just mentioned, was thanks to a 25-goal third quarter. Um, And that sort of quietened down the very passionate and purple home crowd at at Nissan Arena. We saw Kira Austin make her debut in Vixens Colours and her shooting partner, Maya Kamwenda, she led the scoring for the Vixens with 43 goals and a super shot, scoring accuracy of just under 90%. And, of course, Rani Samerson, she was injected into the game in the second quarter and delivered a pretty flawless shooting performance with 15 from 15, including two super shots. But, of course, the game also featured the debut of Firebird Donna Wallum, who looked very at home in the best league in the world. 
So let's break it down a little bit. What were the key overall numbers that jumped out to you, Aaron? Yeah, well, there are a lot of similarities between the teams, but uh, a couple of key things that I noticed coming out of the game. First, the Vixens seem to be the more opportunistic side on the day. So if you look at the goals from the turnovers, the, the Vixens obviously generated these turnovers and they scored 12 versus the Firebirds 7. And obviously the final score differential was 5, so the exact same uh, for that difference from scoring from turnovers. Um, and you also look at the missed shot conversion rate. The Vixens had this at 60% and the Firebirds at 18%. So like a couple of perhaps missed opportunities there for the Firebirds, but the Vixens certainly taking those opportunities. Can you just explain to us what you mean by that missed shot conversion stat, Aaron? Yeah, so um, obviously every time you miss a shot, there's an opportunity for a rebound and the defence or the attack is going to get that. Uh, if, you know, the attacking team gets every one of those rebounds and converts to to a goal, they um, sort of negate each other, don't they? The miss is kind of covered a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you see certain players are, are really good at that. Romelda Aiken George is a really good example. You know, every now and then she misses a shot, but quite often she picks up that rebound and puts it back in. So, you know, the Firebirds sitting down at 18%, um, you know, only about one in five of the shots they were missing, they were picking back up for uh, rebounds and, and scoring again, whereas the Vixens were doing that, you know, two in every three missed miss shots. And then also the penalties was something that a lot of people were discussing sort of on social media and online at the time. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that was the other thing that really stood out when you compared the two teams um, on the day. You know, the, the Vixens had 51 contact penalties to the Firebirds 69 and for obstruction penalties, the Vixens at 19 and the Firebirds at 22. And this total number of penalties at 91 for the Firebirds, uh, by far the most of any team in round one. Yeah, and look, all the, the old coaches are echoing in my head at the moment, which is that you can't do anything if you're out of play, right, Aaron? So it is hugely significant when one side does have that many more. I mean, I think we need to talk about Amaya Kamwenda's game um, as well. It it felt like a lot of the focus was probably on Wallam at, at the other end. Um, she has such an amazing debut. But the Malawian superstar was just sort of going about her business. It, it felt like watching. She ended up taking the match um, player of the match honours. But it was, I mean, we forget she didn't play at Team Girls Cup. She didn't play, pre, you know, that big pre-season tournament. We saw other Vixen shooters. So it was a pretty uh, standout performance by Kamwenda. Yeah, I think that comment of you know, you say there about going about her business is like um, a pretty good description for, for the way she plays. Yeah, I think we can agree that Super Netball is a bit of a goal shooters league with oh, the star yes. players. Of and course we can. People, <laughs> yeah, people like Fowler, uh, Wallace and Aiken George over the, the past uh, recent years are often the ones taking the spotlight. But you look at what Kumwenda does each week and, yeah, as you say, she goes about her business, um, kind of goes under the radar and gets the job done. Um, so, you know, big numbers. Uh, she, she doesn't really have those big numbers outside of scoring on the stat sheet. But when you look at it from her, her shooting numbers, 42 from 43 in the standard scoring zone. I know you mentioned earlier she shot it. Uh, just under 90%, but um, the the decrement on that shooting percentage really came from the super shots. She was one of five in that area. So taking that out, 
she mm. barely missed. Mm. Um, and if you you look at her rebound numbers, she was probably a big part in that um, missed shot conversion for the Vixen. So, you know, I think she missed six shots on the day but picked up five rebounds in the match. So she almost yeah. effectively cancelled out those misses uh, by picking up those rebounds. And at the other end, it certainly felt like Olivia Lewis, who was subbed in for Emily Mannix at goalkeeper early on in the game, proved a much better matchup for, for Wallam. I think writing about it, it felt like um, Wallam was monstering Emma Mannix in, in some of those points, just doing what she really wanted at times. What was the difference with Lewis's game from a stats perspective? Yeah, like we definitely noticed that when that substitution was made in particular at goalkeeper, that um, the momentum perhaps shifted a little bit. The Vixens started to get on top in those second and third quarters. Uh, and it was possibly that Lewis came out and tried to establish more of that physical presence against Wallum. Um, she recorded seven contact penalties to Mannix's three, so not a huge difference, but perhaps starting to indicate... Uh, a bit more of a physical defensive presence. And she also seemed to be a bit more effective in producing turnovers uh, against the Firebirds. So she had five gains to Mannix's uh, zero and three defensive rebounds to Mannix's zero. So um, she she seemed to be, I guess, yeah, taking a little bit more advantage and, and getting those turnovers for the Vixens. And as we discussed earlier, the, the Vixens took advantage of those turnovers and outscored the Firebirds in that area of the game. And... Yeah, what about the the scoring rate? How did that how did that sort of impact when she came on? Yeah, well, I guess let's take a bit of a, a sec to talk about Wallam's game from the weekend. Sure. You mentioned earlier like it was a great debut, and um, it, it felt a little bit like when Lewis matched up against her, we we might have seen a bit of a difference there. Um, but looking at Wallam's scoring rates across the first, the second, the third, and the fourth quarter. Um, it actually didn't change that much. So the matchup didn't necessarily slow her down too much. Um, the biggest thing that actually slowed her down in the third quarter was being on the bench. Um, <laughs> you obviously can't score from there. And there was obviously a reason for this substitution. There might have always been a plan in a first game for the season not to uh, play a full match. Um, but in that early part of the third quarter, before she was substituted off, she was scoring at the same rate she was in the first half. Um, so it's a, perhaps a bit of an ominous warning to the rest of the mm-hmm. competition that there's a, a new goal shooter in town who's going to be racking up the, the goals across the season. And look, I think now, I think we might need to have a standing segment, Aaron, in which we just marvel at Liz Watson. I mean, she had more feeds than any other player this round on 38. She was equal first, I think, with Jamie Lee Price from the Giants on feeds and assists. And we also saw some great numbers there in the West Coast Fever game as well. Um, tell me tell me a bit about Liz's game. Well, I mean, Liz is probably one of my favourite players out there, particularly from a statistics perspective, because there's lots of numbers coming through, lots to do with those. So I'm kind of happy to have a discussion every week. <laughs> on these numbers. Uh, but uh, I will point out that this discussion could get a little bit repetitive because <laughs> I don't think I can say much more than what you've said with respect to round one. Yeah. Uh, she has the center pass receives, the feeds and the assists um, picking up right where she left off in 2020. Um, and the reason I say this discussion is going to get repetitive is because we look look back over 2017, 2018, uh, 2019 and 2020 uh, Liz Watson's always been at the top of the league for all of these numbers. You know, center pass receives, she's been top three in 2017, 2018, and 2019. 
Um, and the year she was outside the top three in 2020 there, she was still number six in the league. Yeah. Um, from 2017 to 2019, ranked number one for total feeds. Um, had a down year in 2020 where she was only ranked second in the league. And for goal <laughs> assists, um, you know, ranked number one in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So if we're talking about center pass receives, feeds, and assists, um, each week I think we're going to be talking about Liz Watson getting a lot of those. <laughs> and we could probably say the, the same, you know, for her performances with the Diamonds as well. She was so dominant in those couple of games earlier this year. Now let's talk about what really matters, Aaron, defensively. Uh, I, I, I felt like Joe Weston, I thought she had a, a great game, even though she didn't do anything too spectacular, perhaps. I mean, she did have four intercepts, which led the league it's quite brilliant to get those four clean takes, but she didn't sort of stand out in the same way that some defenders do. I think Sunday Ariang, you know, springs to mind from the West Coast fever with sort of spectacular deflections that are, that are cleaned up and things like that. Talk me through um, Joe Weston's performance at the weekend. Yeah, it's good you snuck it in there. I don't think we're going to have a <laughs> podcast without talking about defenders, but it does make up a big part of the game and, you know, there's that old adage of defence wins championships, so we, we should discuss the numbers around it. Um, I think you and I have spoke about this before, so it's good to bring it to the podcast that this is one of those situations where the big numbers maybe don't demonstrate the effect mm. on the game. You know, uh, Joe Weston, she had a total of five gains for the match, so it doesn't sound like a lot. Um, and, you know, those few intercepts you mentioned, um, but these gains came all in the second and third quarter where... Um, the the match seemingly was won. Um, the Vixens started to get on top in the second quarter and really got on top in, in the third quarter. So it was probably these times in the game where the Vixens took control. Um, you know, Weston was perhaps stamping that uh, defensive presence on the, on the match in the, those really important times. Mm. And what about the talk, talking about, you know, defensively, we did touch on it just briefly about the overall penalty count. The difference, when you have a, a big difference between two sides and you've got a defender like Joe playing well, how does that kind of impact on the contest? And, and how how different is it to have a, a large gap, I guess, between the two teams? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, a big deal in a sport like netball where penalties, um, you know, they're, they're a penalty. Um, you're, you're out of play. You can't do anything. And particularly if it's your defenders picking up those contact penalties, putting them out of play mm-hmm. um, and leaving the shooting circle in a two-on-one situation or making it easier for those mid-court players to put those feeds into the, the shooters because there's no defensive pressure on them. It, it's a big difference. Um, and, yeah, like you said, we touched on this earlier, that those 91 penalties from the Firebirds, uh, the most in round one by far out of any team. Mm. Um but it's, it's perhaps important to point out that this isn't uh, an anomaly with respect to the Firebirds' recent uh, seasons and perhaps their playing style. Um, so looking at uh, regular season penalties, the Firebirds have had the most contact penalties in 2019 and again in 2021 last year. And in 2020, in 2020, when they weren't ranked number one for contact penalties, they were ranked number two. So the last okay. three years... Um, these contact penalties are perhaps indicating the you know the style of play the Firebirds are doing, particularly defensively. 
Um, and, you know, it might be something that they're happy with. It's it's a three-year trend, so it, it, it hasn't changed. Uh, and But they are going to have to figure out how to win playing with that style if that's what they're going with. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's one of those real, it fits in really well with what we're hoping this podcast is going to do where we have that real versus feel because you sort of have a visceral reaction when you see numbers like that like, and think, oh my goodness, that's terrible. But I have this saying, you know, not all contacts are created equal. You know, sometimes in your reporting, there's a reason why you might be playing in a particular way. You might be wanting to apply pressure to a certain kind of player and the way that they impact the contest. So be really interesting to see how that unfolds for the Firebirds and for the other teams, obviously, across the season. Um, we know that the Vixens in particular are quite disciplined on that. You know, having Simone McInnes as a coach who has that defensive focus, that's clearly something that they work really hard on. But I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit more, Aaron. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're really keen to get Vixens fans involved in the show this year. We want to hear your questions. What netball numbers fascinate you? Which ones do you want to know more about? Which ones don't get enough attention? So please let us know via your favourite social media platform by using hashtag the Fox Hunt pod, and we'll look to include them in a bit of a segment here on the podcast. Let's call it Fox Answers the Fans, Aaron. Send us the queries, the questions, the compliments, everything that you want to know and would like to see in the podcast. So in place of the fans, I'm going to be the fan today, Aaron. We, we thought we'd take a look at a new statistic that Champion Data is recording this season. Some of our listeners might have noticed it if they're following along with the Champion Data site live as games go on. We, you know, we see people have double screens and things like that. So this is something that tracks what's called second phase receives. Can you please explain what that actually means, Aaron? Yeah, so um, this is a metric that we've looked at a little bit in some of our performance analysis research with Netball. And I guess I'm going to assume that Champion Data is recording this in the same way to what we've done. And so this second phase receive, it identifies the player who receives that second pass from the centre pass restart. So... Um, the fans out there are probably used to seeing the center pass receive stat, and that's that first pass from the center pass restart. This is identifying who's getting that next pass, the, the next link in the chain for that possession uh, for each team. Um, and when you combine this measure alongside center pass receives, it starts to give you a good idea of the way you know teams are using that possession network, how they're advancing the ball down the court. Um, you know, if there's a lot of second phase receives going into the hands of the goal shooter. Yeah. Perhaps they're getting the ball down to the circle quickly or the goal shooter's coming out of the circle to, Make to space get for that the goal pass. Attack or, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and even if they're going back to the center or to some of their defensive players, um, you know, wing defense, goal defense for that second phase received kind of indicates a, a bit more of that back and forth style play, perhaps, particularly if they're going to the defenders. So um you know, I, I definitely encourage the fans out there to look at this in combination with the, the center pass receives. And, and um, as we've been discussing in the podcast today, you know, that real versus feel kind of thing. Yeah. Really interesting to keep an eye on that as it changes and evolves. 
thank you so much for joining us on our very first fox hunt. It's been great fun. Next week in round two, of course, the Vixens have a clash with the reigning premiers, the New South Wales Swifts, on Saturday afternoon at Ken Rosewall Arena. I'm looking forward to being courtside for the first time this season. And now is where I put Aaron on the spot and ask him for a performance prediction on the upcoming game based on a data set of one game. That's fair, isn't it, Aaron? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm going to do this prediction a bit more on feel, take from, from right. your side of the Love picture it. a little bit. But um, And I think you'd be happy with it. You know, this game <laughs> this week was all about attack, but I think the Vixens' defence was starting to get into the groove of things towards the end of round one, particularly in that third quarter. And I think we're going to see a big game from them in round two. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Wallace is a big out for the Swifts. And nothing, it's not what we want to see. Um, But it takes a lot of experience off the floor down that attacking end for the Swifts. And you look at the Vixens' defensive unit and they're quite an experienced unit. Uh, So I think they're going to take advantage of that and restrict the Swift scoring and and put up some big numbers of their own in round two. Brilliant. Thank you so much. We'll We'll touch base next week as to how that prediction went. And hopefully everyone will join us again for our round two show. Thank you so much, Aaron.